Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of Full Court Press. I am your host, Nick. I am uh, joined by Joel. What's up, Joel? What's up, guys? And Jawan, what's going on, Jawan? What's going on, world? <laughs> Nothing much, man. Um, so uh, this, like I said, this is our very first episode of this. We're going to be breaking down NBA stuff. It's going to be an NBA centric show, and we got uh, a lot of topics um, that we're going to be uh, discussing. And uh, so let's get into it, guys. Uh, our first segment is called In the Paint, and we're going to break down uh, what's been going on in the playoffs and preview the finals. Um, before we get to the finals, just want to ask you guys, like, what's your opinion on the playoffs as a whole to this point? Uh, we'll start with Juwan. What you got, man? Um, well, I mean, the playoffs played out exactly how we knew they were uh, last summer. Um, I'd even say at the end of last year's finals, uh, we knew these two uh, juggernauts were going to glide through the playoffs. I just hope um, that it'd be a little rougher. Um, I will say both teams um, kind of uh, got away on the easy side. I think Cleveland would have um, had a lot uh, tougher time if they had to face the Wizards, just like um, the Warriors would have had somewhat of a tougher task if they had to play Houston. Um, or even a Spurs fully healthy. Um, so I think, you know, the playoff gods kind of dealt in the favor of Cleveland and, and uh, Golden State, and they were able to glide through. But um, if Cleveland had faced the Wizards, it would have been a lot tougher than playing the Celtics. And if uh, Warriors got a fully healthy Spurs or even the uh, Houston Rockets, it would have been more of a series rather than, like, a tutorial for them getting to the finals. Yeah, yeah, man, I, I hear you on that. Um, Joel, what you got, man? Those are actually pretty good. They were all right. Um, most of the series were were entertaining for the most part. I, I'd probably say the conference finals was obviously the the most boring of, the, like, the whole playoffs. But I'll say, like, the Wizards versus Celtics series was actually very entertaining. The But, and I really thought maybe the Warriors and Spurs would have been a great, you know, Western Conference finals but because of the whole fucking Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker going out, so that kind of ruined that. And then, you know, Celtics gave the Cavs a scare for, like, one game, and then after that it kind of went away. But, you know, aside from that, it was not bad. Players weren't terrible. But then, of course, we got exactly what we were expecting going into the finals, Cleveland versus Golden State. So I guess some of us are happy. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for the matchup, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I got to – even kind of take it a step further than you guys. I mean, I, I, the playoffs have just been boring to me, um, save for the Boston-Washington series and the the Clippers and the um, Jazz. Those, I mean, those series went to Game 7. And I would almost even include the uh, Memphis series with San Antonio because when they won yeah. those two games, um, there was kind of a momentum building, and they even kept it close in Game 5. So, I mean, I think that was that was a, a pretty, you know, a pretty good series overall, like as far as, you know, a series not going seven games. But other than those, man, I mean, it's been pretty rough, and I agree 100%. I think uh, I, I agree with you, Jordan. I think Washington would have been, you know, the better challenge uh, for Cleveland. Um, and, and particularly, too, I mean, y'all, y'all mentioned some of those injuries, but also – you know, I don't. I don't care what you know the narrative has been. 
you know, for Boston, they are not a better team without Isaiah Thomas. I don't care if he's a defensive liability. That is just ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, I think they would have had a, 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 a better chance at maybe winning a couple games had, you know, Thomas stayed in there at full health. Um, I, you know, I think they could have maybe maybe won a couple. But, I mean, we have to admit, even though it ended up how we expected it to, I don't think anybody, like at least I, I myself didn't think that Cleveland would only lose one game and Golden State would go undefeated through their conferences. Like, that's just <laughs> crazy. It's just way too easy. So, um, you know, I, I like I like the matchup that we're getting. I just wish that the road to that matchup had been a little more entertaining, you know? I mean, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I think another thing this playoffs uh, has, has been missing is the the physicality. I, I felt like there isn't – like, I like – I like when the playoffs come around because that's when you really see guys get really physical. You see it mean more to guys. I just didn't really get that um, out of a lot of these series. Um, and, and mainly I just wanted to definitely give a shout-out to Brad Stevens because for everyone who kept saying uh, Celtics look better with Isaiah, it's mainly because of how greatly um, Brad Stevens has been coaching the Celtics, uh, that that team kind of works like a college team. Like when there's no Isaiah, there isn't a bona fide star that it has to run through. So he runs right. it to where everyone's touching it. And it's kind of like a college. So all I keep thinking in my head is, man, if Danny Ainge had just pulled the trigger and got Brad Stevens a Paul George or a Jimmy Butler, that series could have looked, you know, I'm not going to say Cleveland would have lost, but it would have it would have been a, a lot more competitive than they were. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll we'll get into the Celtics a little later and talk about you know some of that at length and and talk about what we think they should do going forward. Um, but yeah, like I mean, they are certainly. I, I mean, honestly, I I don't know what you guys think. I think they're probably still a couple players away because I mean, LeBron is basically two. Like you when you like everyone says, you know, Cleveland's got a big three. LeBron counts as two players. Let's not kid ourselves, man. He's that yeah. good. Oh, and right. he's that much better than everybody else in the league. Um so I mean, I think I think to really be uh have a chance at beating them, <laughs> they're two they're two players away, but to, you know, have a chance to compete with them if they had gotten a Jimmy Butler or a Paul George they would have had a much greater shot, and I think they probably would have at least won two games and maybe even forced the game seven with that kind of lineup. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Totally, agree. yeah, totally. Word. Okay, so uh, so let's let's jump into the finals. Um, so I know I know I'm excited for the finals, um, and and we'll get you know we'll get to to making our picks here in a minute. Um but what are what are your overall thoughts on this uh this kind of historic um uh rematch between these two teams. No two teams have played each other in the finals three years in a row. Um so that's kind of a, a neat little caveat on this on this rematch. Um Joel, what are what are your thoughts on it? I'll be more excited once uh once the series starts. Because as of right now, I just I'm kind of burnt out by it. That's the third time we're seeing this. And I I like diversifying and seeing new teams in the finals and competing. But 
it is going to be fun. Once we get into the thick of it, it's going to be a great series. I have no doubt about it. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy because we know that these teams can beat each other's asses. And I can't tell you right now who I have as a favorite because I don't know. And I want to say Golden State because that's an easy choice. I kind of want to say Cleveland, also an easy choice because when LeBron puts it on, he puts it fucking on. And it's really, it's just really hard to choose, and it's definitely going to be more entertaining. Like right now, I'm not as excited as I will be in a couple days. I'll tell you that. I hear you. I hear you. And I've got you on that, man. Like diversity is key, and that's like that's one of the reasons why like the NFL and Major League Baseball are so much fun to follow, um, more so NFL than than the MLB simply because it's football and not fucking baseball. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, the parity within those leagues are, are a lot greater than what we traditionally get in in the NBA. So I think that's definitely um, – I, I feel you on that. Um, Juwan, uh, what are your thoughts on the, the uh, three-time – uh, matchup. What will be the third time we're seeing this matchup? I'm going to be completely honest. I don't mind the fact that it's three years in a row. I just need it to be entertaining. Um, <clears throat> I need it to live up to the hype. Um, I don't. I don't mind that at all. Um, what I'm looking forward to is last year when Cleveland came back and won the series. LeBron and Kyrie won that series. Uh, just by the two of them. Kevin Love did, I don't want to say nothing, but as close as you can get to nothing as possible. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that that's not going to fly this series. Now that Golden State has Durant, they have an added factor. So, like, if LeBron gets in Draymond's head and he gets suspended, that's not going to stop them from being as much of a juggernaut as they are. Durant, as you were saying, Nick, how LeBron makes up, like, for two people, Durant at least makes up for a Draymond Green. Because uh, what you may like yeah. defensively, you're getting in, in an offensive manner that makes up for the lack of defensive presence. So the main thing I'm looking for is who's going to have to go small first? And that's going to be the biggest thing. Because if Golden State goes Draymond, uh, Durant, Iguodala, Clay, and Steph, that automatically puts Cleveland at a disadvantage um, because what, what you're going to have to do is Tristan Tristan obviously can handle Draymond down low as far as getting rebounds. There's no way, and I mean there's no way, Kevin Love is stopping Kevin Durant in any capacity. That is where your mismatch is going to come from. So then if you have to switch Love um, for LeBron, for LeBron to guard Durant, that still doesn't help you. Because Kevin Love is a liability defensively, and I'm not saying Iguodala is this guy that's going to drop 20 or 30 on you, but he can. He's one of those guys. I call him like he's like a um. What's the word? Um, I can't think of the word. But Iguodala is one of those guys where if you let him, he can score on you. Um, so that puts yeah. them at a disadvantage, definitely. If if Golden State goes small, I definitely mm-hmm. see them winning this series in at least six. Um, if that's the the matchup that they end up going with and Kevin Love doesn't show up. So those are the two biggest things I'm looking for in this series. Will Love show up, go small? How long can Cleveland survive that? Yeah, man, I, I, uh, I'm pretty much right on board there with you. I'm, I'm really excited for the matchup. Um, and mainly uh, not just because we got, you know, this is the third time that it's happening, but because they're 1-1. 
had Golden State won last year, I wouldn't be nearly as excited for it. But because Golden yeah, State won, Golden State won the first matchup, and you know you had you had Love and you had Kyrie out, and then uh, obviously Cleveland won it last year, and they had Draymond out for that suspended game. And I think a lot of people also forget that uh, Bogut was hurt and didn't play the last two games either. Um, yep. And I, that that was a huge loss for them. And of course, Harrison Barnes was just. MIA man that dude I mean I think for the last game of the finals I think he was like two for 11 um in that game so I mean he didn't do jack shit so now that they've got this team in place um and you know I was at the beginning of the season I was I was honestly a little worried about how they were going to um fill the the role of uh Bogut and dude like They've done it. I mean, Petrulia is definitely not the athlete that Bogut is, but he's every bit the bruiser that, that Bogut is. Um, and JaVel McGee has stepped up, and he's even a better athlete than Bogut is. So, you know, you got you got two guys who you can plug in there. And like you said, Juwan, you can always go small, so they don't need to use those two guys a whole heck of a lot. They can plug in Iggy. And, and give him, you know, he's got a lot of rest this year, so he, they can plug him in and get him in there for 25 to 30 minutes to kind of help out with that. So I think it'll be really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited that you know this is this is the way, not only just the matchup, but the fact that we got both teams, they're both healthy, so there's like no excuses. You know, you, you, yep. there's no also, excuse whatsoever for either team. Yeah. Also, the biggest storyline is, um, do you guys remember the last time Mike Brown was in the final? <laughs> yeah, with, with LeBron. LeBron James. So it's also going to be good because we don't know if Steve Kerr is going to be healthy enough to um, to kind of be on oh. the bench the entire series. It's going to be right. fun to see Mike Brown, who's really good locking in defensively. Uh, he's a great defensive coach. He doesn't get enough credit, honestly. Defensive schemes against LeBron. You know, because the guy had coached LeBron for like the first, what, six, seven years of his career. So it's going to be really fun to see how um, he matches up with that. Is he going to put Iggy on him? Is he going to put Draymond on him? Will Durant be on him? It's going to be really fun to see that. Yeah, and another thing, too, because um, I know that you mentioned, you know, if, if something does happen with Draymond, you know, obviously that makes the Warriors less of a uh, defensive threat. But Kevin Durant has played terrific defense this year. Like, he just – it's like he was tailor-made for that team. Like, honestly, like, he just fits in perfectly with with Golden State and the the team defense that he, you know, is able to, to play on that team. And because he's just so long, he can get up and get blocks. So, I mean, I think that will be an important factor to look at too is just, you know, can can Golden State – score enough to, 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 you know, combat that defense because there's, I don't think there's any question that the Warriors' defense is a lot better than the, the Cavaliers. Totally, bro. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, let's, let's uh, give, a, give, give me your prediction. Uh, what, what are you, who are you taking, Joel, and how many games do you think it goes? Oh, this is the hardest part. Uh, uh, how many did the first series go? Because that was a dramatic series. 
What was that? Uh, I, that was that was six games. Six games, right? Because that's like when LeBron was by himself, pretty much when he came yep. by himself. That was yeah, insane. yeah, because Love went out against the Celtics when Olenek like broke his arm, and then yeah. uh, I think Kyrie went out in the first game, the I first believe, game. of the Warriors yep. series. First game. Yeah. Yep. That was a crazy series, and then last year, coming back from what they were down three zero or three to one or some shit like that. Three to one. Yeah. Down three to one. Fuck, man. So this this won't be a good series. I'll say that. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna say it's gonna go seven. I have, I, I mean, based on like the last two, last two years, I'm gonna say it's gonna go seven, and, I, and I'm gonna, I'm going with Cleveland. I'm going with Cleveland. Word, nice. Uh, Jawan, uh, do you feel the same way, or are you taking uh, Golden State? And how many games do you think it'll get? Well, you guys are definitely gonna disagree, but I have to be the guy that kind of goes off. Um, in left field. I'm going to go six games, and I'm going to go Golden State, mainly because I have no faith in Kevin Love showing up. Um, He's on a tear right now, but he was playing against a Celtic team that we know um, somewhat had its heart ripped out uh, once Isaiah was gone. They did put up a good fight, but defensively they just didn't show half of those. Cavs are blowing them out by by halftime. So um, Love kind of got points you know, against like a battered team. But Golden State's fully healthy and ready to go. And I, I don't see him getting off on Draymond. I, I just really don't. And I, I don't see anybody being able to stop Durant. Like I said, if they go small ball, that that's just going to be disastrous. So, barring injury on Golden State side, I see it. I see Golden State winning in six. You know what? It, uh, maybe we're both crazy then because I, I got the same prediction. Um, I think Golden State wins it in six. And I think, too, I think that they will – Cleveland will get one of the games either in Golden State or or Cleveland, and Golden State will go up 3-1. And I think Cleveland will win game five, and then I I think Golden State will win game six and close it out on the road. Because they're they're not – because you know if they get get up 3-1, everybody's going to be talking about that everybody's going to be saying, oh, well, they had a 3-1 lead last year. Could they possibly blow it again? I don't know. And I think they maybe let it get in their head a little bit for game five, but not game six. If it, if they do no. manage to lose game six, though, I would probably at that point, if you're, if you're telling me you got one game, I, I would probably go with LeBron at that point. But I think, I think they're going to take care of it in six games. They're going to win out on the road in Cleveland because they're not going to want to have to go back and play a game seven. So, yeah, no, yeah. I completely agree with you. And honestly, I see where Joel's coming from. It's hard when you got Kyrie that's starting to grow into his, his inner Kobe Bryant, be, becoming an mm-hmm. assassin in late situations, what? and you have the greatest basketball player on earth. Um, it's kind of hard to go against them. So that's why I said it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with love because Kyrie and LeBron can go off, which is fine. But what are you going to do when Steph's having a good night, Clay's having a quiet night, Durant's having a good night, and you know Draymond's going to give it to you at least defensively every night. And I don't trust love enough that he can be that third wheel to keep them going. I don't see him showing up, and I don't see him showing up in a game six where they need him the most 
but I do see Durant, Clay, Draymond, and Steph showing up. That's the only reason why I went against Cleveland. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of agree with you there. I and I think it'll be interesting because I think if Golden State goes small, I think that's going to force Cleveland to sit Love, and they're going to have to go with LeBron at the four, obviously Tristan at the five, um, and then work Love in as kind of like a six man. And then you know mm-hmm. I would probably say I would probably say to go ahead and put um, go ahead and put J.R. Smith on Iggy. And because I mean, J.R. Smith, when he wants to be, can defend fairly well. And if you put That's him true. on Iggy, you could bring in Darren Williams to run your point. And Kyrie Irving's arguably a more effective shooting guard than he is a point guard. Um, and then, I, you know, I you could just only, trade off. The, the only oh, bad yeah. thing in that is. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You go. You go. I was saying the only bad thing in that is. Um, that plays into Warriors' hands. If you're telling Steph he doesn't have to worry about um, guarding Kyrie on switch-offs, he has to guard Darren Williams. Darren Williams now has to be able to guard Steph Curry, and that plays into Steph Curry's hands. If you do yeah, but JR, Darren Williams is a better defender uh, than Kyrie Irving, man. Which he is. Which that's not even that's not even necessarily what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Steph feeling more comfortable switching off on Darren than he would switching off on Kyrie. Right. Which they're gotcha. gonna do a lot of. They're gonna do a Darren, lot of screens to try oh, to get the switch off. Would you say, Joel? So Darren can handle that ball too. He's not easy to guard himself sometimes when he wants to. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and but we're gonna have to and, get and, and... Go ahead, Jordan. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was gonna say we're gonna uh, have to get Utah Darren Williams in order for me to kinda like fear the idea of Darren Williams like really exploding. Brooklyn yeah, said, yeah. Was I, well, I, I totally agree. I mean, we are going to have to get Utah Darren Williams, but the guy's in the best shape that he's been in in, like, six years. Um, like, I mean, it's like as soon as he found out he was going to Cleveland, I don't know what that cat did, but he got in shape. And, like, he's played pretty well for them. Um, but you're absolutely right, Juwan. He's going to have to step up big. He's going to have to be a big part of of that team, he's going to have to make some clutch shots. They can't just rely on him to distribute the ball. He's going to have to come up big and make Corver some big shots. Too. What's that? You also need more from Corver too. Yeah. Well, and but see, man, that's that's kind of the other thing, though. Is like as as old as Corver is, I mean, he's a great spot up shooter. I don't I don't know I don't trust him trying to defend Clay Thompson. At all, like, and not that not that uh, Kyrie is a is a great defender or anything because he's not, but he's at least faster than Corver, you know. So, yeah, must, uh, must. honestly, I think you got to bring it. You got to bring in the white guys for backup. You know, you got to keep. I think you got to put Corver and Love on the bench, and then hope that you can utilize them in some capacity coming off the bench. Yep, that's like Levar Ball said, man. <laughs> you can't you can't win by starting two white guys. That's just that's just the way it is. So. <laughs> no, but I mean that that is fucked up. But I, I mean that does bother me a little bit. Um, and mainly when I look at Darren Williams and I look at Corver, two guys who haven't been in the finals before. Um, True. I need to see what they do in game one and game two. That's when newbies kind of get uh, they either shrink or they get the rust off. 
um, usually by game three, and that's when they start to, to, to grow into their own little mold. Um, so if they struggle in game one and two, I won't really hold that against them. They've never been on the stage before. Um, so I'll see by game three. If they're playing well, game three, um, which I think might be their, their home game. Um, yeah, that's the first home I'll game. Be able to, I'll be able to know. I'll be able to know by then. But let's keep in mind for uh, Darren Williams and Corver, who are their two biggest pieces off the bench. Um, yep. They haven't been in the finals before. Everyone yep. in Golden State, they've been there. Durant's yeah. been there. Draymond's been there. Clay, Seth. All your major guys have been there. Because Golden State's right. bench doesn't really matter outside of Livingston and Iguodala. So you don't really go like, oh, well, McAdoo. Well, no, no one cares about McAdoo. Like, he's fine. Yeah, call, he's not getting or McCall. You know, yeah, like... or McCall. Those guys aren't getting major minutes. So, like, they don't really matter. But, like, Corver and Darren Williams will get uh, significant minutes. So it does matter that they don't have that, um, that you know, that, being being scared of, of of the big stage. That's why they brought him in, though. They got to earn that money. Listen, hey. absolutely, absolutely. They brought him in for that, and I'm not saying that they won't be ready. I'm just saying if they're not, then that goes to me. You know, that goes to uh, you know to, to what I was saying about I don't really necessarily think Cleveland um, is that much better than Golden State as far as me picking them. So no, they're not. I mean, talent wise. So, right, right. So my biggest thing is, like I said, we got to see, because this is also another test. We got to see this whole Durant versus LeBron thing. LeBron's always been able to get Kevin Durant's number when it mattered. So I got to make sure that Kevin Durant knows he's not playing one-on-one ball. You got to make right. sure you have that ball moving, because that's how Golden State, um, you know, has, has gained all this success. They play as a team, not as one man. Um, right. that's, that's why they lost last year. Steph trying to do fancy passes behind his back in the finals of game seven, turning it over, trying to be all flashy and fancy. That's not going to, that's not going to work this time around. You guys got to put your foot on their throats and then crush them. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, it will be. And I think for Cleveland to have a legitimate shot, they're going to have to get either game one or game two out, out in Oakland. Like they real like if they're down, I mean, you obviously I hate the, the notion of like calling something a must win game. Cause the only time it's, it's literally a must win game is when you have already lost three games. Cause otherwise it's not a must win because you still have another chance. But that being said, I, I think for them to have a legitimate chance, they're going to have to steal one of those first two games in Oakland. Um, if for no other reason, just to kind of get the confidence that, hey, you know, we already beat them once on their home court. You know, we can do this. You know, that kind of right. mentality. And like you said, Jawan, they need that most importantly for the guys who haven't been there yet. Right. So, but but yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I, I uh, I'm very much looking forward to it, and um, it's 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 gonna be crazy. Um, I want to ask uh, real quick, just one more question about this before we move on to our next topic. Um, if if LeBron wins this series, does he does he uh, pass Michael? In y'all's opinion, Joel, we'll start with you. This series? Yes. 
if he wins if he wins this finals and beats probably the most stacked team talent wise in NBA history, does does that mm-hmm. mean in your mind that he surpasses Michael Jordan as the as the goat? Not yet. Not yet. All right. Uh Juwan, what do, what do you think? It's a loaded question, honestly. Um, Michael Jordan's never had to face a team in the finals uh, this stack. Um, Golden State right. has four all-stars. Uh, Michael Jordan's never had to, in the finals, play a team that stack. It depends how LeBron wins it. I think for his legacy, he can't have another finals win where Kyrie is the one that uh, that closes the door on, on Golden State. Um, Quite like how everyone was saying, uh, you know, New England couldn't just go out the way they went out. Like Brady had to had to be the the driving force. So I think if yeah. LeBron's the driving force, um, you not only could then make a legitimate conversation, you could start deciding who that's on Mount Rushmore. You'd kind of edge off to put LeBron up there. Um, but that's, yeah, that is yeah. what makes him different. Say it one more time, Joel. I'm sorry. I said that's also what makes LeBron different than a lot of the guys that came in front of him. He is not yeah. a Michael. To me, he's not like Michael in the fact that he's not a cold-blooded killer or like Kobe, you know, like they're the clutch guys at the end. Mm-hmm. That's not really right. his game much. He's more of a magic with a better physical presence. <laughs> you know what I mean? More mm-hmm. scoring ability than magic. No. What I'm saying is if LeBron passes to Kyrie for the game-winning shot, that's fine. Jordan's done that on two of his finals. That's fine. Um, what I'm saying is, though, Kyrie last season, he wasn't past the ball. He took it up court. He dribbled it out, put a move on Steph, and, and, and hit the, you know, the, the, uh, pretty much the winning bucket. So all I'm Yeah, and LeBron is, wanted him to do that. That's the other thing. Like right. LeBron right. asked, like basically was like, this is your moment, Kyrie. Yep. Right. Do it. So I'm saying LeBron can't do that again. But if he beats Golden State and he does it, you know, um, and, and he's the, the driving force for uh, why Golden State lost, there's nothing else LeBron can prove to us. Nothing else. I mean, unless next year Golden State adds DeMarcus Cousins and now they have five all-stars and then he beats the five all-stars. <laughs> Like, people who keep saying he won't catch up to Jordan, I don't know what else you need this man to do, whether it's numbers-wise or even, you know, Michael Jordan's never played as many minutes as LeBron. Right. LeBron's achieved more points-wise in less minutes. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, not in less minutes, in less shots than Michael Jordan. So this man, this man, right, in the playoffs, this man numbers-wise, um, and, and as far as winning, to me, I don't hold the, the losses in the finals against LeBron because um, I don't think that necessarily defines you. I think the ones you win are the ones that oh, define you. As long oh, as the I hold the, don't I hold the Mavericks winning. loss against him. I, you have to hold the Mavericks. The Mavericks Here's literally had one, one all-star. They had one all-star in Dirk Nowitzki. That's it. Now, they did, have, they did have Tyson Chandler who went on to be an all-star for one season with the Knicks, and they had two yeah. – former All-Stars and Sean Marion and Jason Kidd, but both of those guys Man, were past their prime. But I just want to say the only reason why I don't hold it against LeBron is because both Bosch and Wade combined – I mean, not combined, I'm sorry. Individually, I think Wade had 73 points over the course of the series, and Bosch had 76. 
that is disgusting for those guys who have that much talent. LeBron did average almost 30 and 10 that entire series. Now, it wasn't flashy, and it wasn't enough for them to win that series, but LeBron did his job. Wade and Bosh didn't. I don't know you if can, on Bosh's end, I, it was I, the – go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't know the points total off the top of my head for them, so I'll have to take that – I'll have to take your, your word for that. Um, but I do know – I do remember – watching that series, and there were two games where LeBron just was nowhere. Like, he, you could just look at him. He was just zoned out. He wasn't – he was not concentrated. He, he – I think the moment was Broke. too big for him at that time. I think it was surreal so, for him is what happened, you know, because, like, that was a moment where they just finally got together. It was their first year together, and – it's just nothing was working like he expected it to work in the finals, and they kind of shrank under the pressure. But after that, like after that finals, they like they were a juggernaut until he, of course, he left. <laughs> like, right. But, and he hasn't not which, been to the which, finals. Which, hey, by by all all accountable measures, I mean that was totally the right decision for him to make. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I, I'm not. I, I kind of agree with you, Juwan. I, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I think it's going to take even a little bit more, though. Um, but I do think it depends on how this series goes. Um, I, I just don't know if you can ever compare, really compare the two because they're each great. They're each the greatest player of their generation, of their eras. Right. They, right. But they are so different. I mean, when you look at Jordan, better scorer, better post player. Um, probably, they're probably about equal in shooting, um, but LeBron is better at the three-pointer. Jordan's got the better mid-range game, and he's a better free-throw shooter. Um, and then Jordan has, you know, better better defense. Um, when when somebody would, would um, you know, step up and, and start playing well, Jordan would be like, I got this guy, um, and shut him down. And LeBron has done that in his career. He did it to Derrick Rose. Um when Derrick Rose won the MVP, um, I, I think LeBron took uh, took exception to that, and and you know was like, all right, I'm going to shut down this this punk. Um, but uh, but I mean, I, I don't think there's really an argument to be made that LeBron's actually like a better defender than Jordan was. But then if you look at LeBron, I mean, he is the better facilitator, better passer, better rebounder, um, like just more. Like Jordan might be more clutch, but LeBron's more dominant. And, you know, also we have to take into account the different eras. And with, you know, I, a lot of people like to, you know, throw out there that, um, you know, Jordan, like Jordan would kill it in today's NBA because you can't hand check. You know, you can't, like defense is so different. But I also think that would have limited Jordan's ability to be a great defender um, if he played in today's NBA. And, you know, I don't, I don't really care what people say. I think LeBron would be dominant no matter what era he played in. And I think the same thing for I Michael. Mean, but I just, I just don't think they're just – they'll always – if LeBron continues on this trajectory, they'll always be 1A and 1B to me. Like I won't I, – I, I can't say – I don't think I'll ever reach the point where I can say, yes, LeBron is greater than Michael. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Who is, who is more dominant as a – present Michael Jordan or LeBron James 
Oh, man, see, I, I feel like, again, it's a 1A, 1B thing, because if you look at it, um, granted, you know, I think a lot of people forget that Michael actually came back at the t- tail end of the 94-95 series, and they lost in the, the playoffs to Shaq yep, yep. and, and yep, they did. Penny. Um, yep, but, yep. you know, he had only played the last 17 games of the season. He wasn't in the right kind of shape that he needed to be in. Um, so, you know, yeah. I, I have a hard time holding that against him. But so if you if you look at that eight-year period in which he played full seasons, obviously mm-hmm. he won every single year. And, he, like, he was just so dominant. But I do think, too, that it was it was arguably like the – the best thing that could have happened to Michael for him to take two years off and go play baseball to give his body some time to, yeah, I mean, you play, a, obviously baseball season is a long season. You play a lot of games, but it's not nearly as physically demanding. So in an era so, in I mean, which that, they didn't have all of the sophisticated stuff to keep people healthy, I think that helped prolong his career and, and helped him come back to win those three. But like to answer your question, so if you're breaking it down like that, Jordan dominated the 90s just like LeBron has dominated, you know, I mean, as far as just his conference. It's somewhat different, and here's why. LeBron, right now, think of the worst team in the NBA. Brooklyn, right? You'd say is the worst team in the NBA? Yeah. He could go to Brooklyn next season. They're automatically not only a playoff team, but a shoe-in for the finals. Ooh, I don't know about that. That's how – Playoff. I don't think you realize how bad in Brooklyn. I don't think I don't think you realize how bad LeBron's team was back in what was it? Uh oh, oh, five, oh, oh, five, no, oh six, I, where he took was, like it, two two bags of pennies and a couple of nickels <laughs> to the finals. Yeah, yeah I think it was O seven. That yeah, team was yeah. hot garbage. That's why they got swept. So what I'm saying is LeBron could go anywhere, and it changes the landscape. It changes the landscape. I, don't, I, still, don't, LeBron, I still wouldn't LeBron, say they're a shoe-in for the finals. Nick, absolutely, because that team, that team would go from they don't really like to spend money, they like to build from within, they like to draft, to that team would spend money to get LeBron uh, – that is actually a valid argument because LeBron attracts players. Everybody wants to play with exactly. LeBron. So you, so that, you that, have a valid point there. But I'm just, saying, I'm just saying LeBron alone, like if you just put him on no. that team and didn't change anything else, there ain't no way no, that no, I would no, consider no. them a block for the fun. And I, I'm, not even, I'm not even saying you're giving him a, a, a superstar or a star. I'm just saying you're giving him at least Decent role players. Because if we think about it, Brooke when Lopez. he went in 07, when he went in 07, yeah, there Lopez, was literally right? nothing there. I mean, we're talking yeah. Delonte West. We're talking, what is it, Eric, uh, <laughs> uh, Eric, Eric Snow. We're talking Larry Hughes. Bums. Larry Hughes. Larry Hughes. I won't say Larry Hughes Booby was a bum. Gibson. I won't say he was a bum. Larry but Hughes was probably the, best, the second best player on that team that year. Absolutely. And you know yeah. what? Think about it like this. You take LeBron off that team, they are what the Nets are. Oh, that yeah. team doesn't, that team doesn't it, win the, any the games. season he left. I mean, they proved it. Exactly. So what I'm saying is that's the impact. When Jordan left, Pippen had that team in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't I mean, know if a lot that of goes teams like to that. 
I don't know if that goes to Phil's Phil's coaching or the fact that Scottie Pippen was that good. And what Scottie I'm saying Pippen is not, he's very good. Not a lot of players could leave their teams and it all explodes. LeBron has that type of feel. Do, I mean, can yeah, you but remember? I, I, I mean, but I, but what I did Miami do, do in the playoffs keep... when he left? Well, they actually did okay. Like they, they, because remember they, they. I, I think last year they, they almost made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They, they. Who? Uh, I, I think they took Toronto seven games, didn't they? And because that Who was knows? like the big thing. Miami. No, Miami Heat. Miami Heat didn't take Toronto seven games. Miami Heat was out in I think six. Maybe. They, they, but it was, it was, it was a competitive series because I remember the dialogue going on, like does. Who would LeBron rather face, Toronto or Miami? Like, I remember that dialogue. So, like, so you can say, like, Cleveland fell apart, but like you said, they had a bunch of shitty players on that team. Miami still did okay, and I think this is the first year that they haven't made the playoffs since he left. And they were literally one game away from making the playoffs. And they lost Wade, and, you know, obviously they still had Bosch's terrible contract on there. So, But he wasn't playing, so... So I don't know. I, th- I think your argument for that falls apart a little bit when you're looking at Miami. But, but nevertheless, um, I, we got to move on to the next topic because we have just spent about an hour talking about <laughs> the finals uh, preview. So, um, so the next topic, uh, we're going to crash the boards. We're going we're to take a look at the uh, NBA draft, um, the uh, top ten picks of the NBA draft, uh, who the teams should take, and. Maybe if uh, they should trade their pick for somebody different. Um, first pick in the draft is the you know winner of the regular season in the East is the Boston Celtics. Um, so I'll start with you, Joel. Um, do you fuck think Boston. the Celtics like should? That. <laughs> What's that? The fuck Boston. Let's start with that. <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. Do you think they should keep the pick? Um, do you think they should trade the pick? If they keep it, who do you think they should take? And if they trade it, who do you think they should trade for? I think uh, they. I don't think they can lose that choice, honestly. Um, if they, I, I wouldn't be upset if they kept the pick for a few for future usage, just in case. With Isaiah Thomas, he's not getting any younger. I mean, he's what thirty now, thirty one. Yeah. So and he's short, you know, and like if he's gonna get hurt. I, I, I don't trust guys. Yeah, he might need he might need hip surgery. So that's that's terrible. That's I hope that's not the case. But if that's the case, he's he's a smaller dude. You lose not that he really relies too much on his athleticism, but I mean, you, you lose if you even if you lose a step, that's going to hurt him a lot because he's he relies on his speed a lot. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it, it would be smart, probably smarter for them to keep it. They, they, let's say they bring in like Markel Fultz, for instance. That's that's the projected number one pick, big guy, yeah. big guard. They're, they're like comparing him to James Harden, which I, I I don't think it's a terrible comparison, but um, better defender. Right. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Not not that that's very hard, but um, <laughs> I, I think Markel Fultz is a good choice for them to keep. He could play. He could play off guard. He could play with guard. So it's like you can't really lose on that choice, but they also can. <clears throat> use this pick to advance themselves and get a like let's say say a, let's say they, they trade to Indiana or something for like Paul George or Chicago with, with uh, J, uh, Jimmy Butler. They can use that to get a great player in return and not really do anything to their team. 
except get a great player in return. You know what I mean? Yeah. Either way, they're in a good position. That's, so that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, Jawan, what do you, what do you think? They got to trade that goddamn pick. Are you serious? <laughs> the way the way Boston is constructed right now, they're ready to win right now. They've been rebuilding since they got rid of Pierce, Garnett, Allen, Rondo. They've been waiting for this moment. And you're not going to find another team that's as stupid as Brooklyn was to give them literally everything. So what I'm saying is you sell while you can. So if if you got the Pacers out there that are willing to give you um, Paul George for your number one pick, give it to him. Paul George instantly makes that team better. Instantly. Now, again, Paul no matter what the clutch, Celtics, you wouldn't need him to be. You, w- you wouldn't need him to be. Here's the thing, though. If Isaiah Thomas is healthy, you have a healthy Paul George, the way that team plays, if he can fit to the way that team plays, you don't need one guy to put him away. The way Brad Stevens coaches those guys, they could as a team put guys away. And Paul George – because think about what they did without Paul George. Now think about what they can do with Paul George. All I'm saying is yeah. if you're Boston, you don't want to have to spend the time to build up this, this young kid, um, and you're not getting ball because he already said I'm not going there. So you're going to have to take well, years I mean, they to build up this kid. If they took yeah, him, I mean, he wouldn't have a choice. They could take him. They could take him. Then what are they going to – all I'm saying is, they they asked him to work out. He said no, so he's made it clear he doesn't want to be there. I I doubt they they go draft somebody who does not want to be there. I doubt. Uh, I agree. Lavar Ball really honestly can. doesn't. Lavar Ball honestly doesn't fit that team. He he just doesn't. But what I'm saying, Lavar <laughs> Ball doesn't fit Boston, any fucking team. <laughs> he really doesn't. He really doesn't. He really really doesn't um, at all. But if you look at it, if you're Boston, think about it like this, right? Let's say you get Paul George. He agrees to um, sign a four- or five-year contract to, to remain with the team. Do you know what Boston has next year? The opportunity the Brooklyn for first another round possible pick. number one pick. So it's like yeah. in Boston's – I mean, not Boston. Brooklyn's not going to get any goddamn better. They're still going to be shit. So you could still have a yeah. top five pick next year. And you know what you can Absolutely. do with that? Absolutely. And if you, you get Michael a Porter, rookie. if you get Michael Porter – that would be worth I, it, man. That that dude is is as of right now projected to be the best wing prospect since Kevin Durant as of now. Yeah. Wow. And all I'm shit. saying is, you're Boston. I will say this because Isaiah Thomas just. Uh, I was reading a report from uh, one of the Celtics insiders today. Um, he was saying how Isaiah has has told Boston he'll wait on his contract uh, so they can go out and get yeah. something. So if if you're Paul George, all I'm saying is it's never gonna happen in Indiana. Just it's just never it's gonna never, happen in Indiana. And it's pro- and it's way more likely to happen in Boston than it is LA. Right. Absolutely. Boston has Boston has so many pieces that they can move to make that team stack. So if you're Paul George and you're talking about you want to win, you're not going to the Lakers just so you're back home in LA. That that's that's stupid. And I want to tell people right now. He's not doing that unless Magic Johnson makes that team, at least on paper, just dominant. Um, but if you're the Celtics, don't don't be stupid. Don't sit on picks again. Don't get rookies again. You have a great team now, um, and you have a chance to make it your team even better in the offseason. Right. Go get Paul George. 
Okay. So here's here's my uh, kind of my thought because I'm kind of with Joel. Like I think uh, I don't think they necessarily have to do anything in particular. I think they need to to look at all their options and go with the best option, both short term and long term, whichever that may be. But I I do agree with you in this sense, Juan. I don't think they necessarily have to trade uh, this number one pick, but they need to make a move. They could go get Gordon Hayward with their cap space. And then, honestly, what I would do, and y'all are gonna, y'all are just gonna fucking be like, no, you're like, fuck you. But what I would do is I would offer next year's Brooklyn pick. They also own the Memphis Grizzlies' uh, 2019 first-round pick, which, if you look at Memphis, they're they're going down. Like they're, I mean, they're still a good team, but they're not getting any better. They're maxed out in their cap. They can't go out and get anybody that great. Uh, Mark Gasol is old. I mean, he's like 32, 33 years old, right? You know, right now. Zach Randolph is a free agent. And he's even older. Uh, they signed yep. Chandler Parsons to a huge deal. So basically, that pick is going to be pretty solid. It's going to be middle who first didn't round. Play. Um, what's that? I said, who didn't even play most of the year? Who Chandler Parsons? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like he, dude. Chandler Parsons is like the biggest bum because he did the same thing in Dallas and got paid not to play, basically. Yeah. And you know, it's exactly. not necessarily his fault. I mean, he's hurt, but like that was a that was not a smart signing by Memphis. Um, but nevertheless, I think you take those two things, you attach Terry Rozier, and you attach um, uh, what's uh, Demetrius Jackson? I think is his name. Uh, their fourth oh. string point guard. And the the Boston's fourth string point guard, I think his name's Demetrius Jackson. Um, so you you oh. take those two players, those two picks, and you call up Phil and say, "We'll give you all of this for Porzingis." And now there's no chance that Phil's going to take that, but Porzingis is pissed off. You know Phil is crazy enough to make that trade, and not to mention the upside that it would give that it would give the Knicks is they would own they would have if the Knicks and the Nets both have the two worst records in the NBA, they are like a a 45% chance of getting the number one overall pick. Um, That's, those are really good odds. And both of the top two picks in next year's draft, either whether you got one or two are going to be terrific. You got Michael Porter and then you got Luka Doncic, who is going to be a stud. Um, he's a six eight wing. He can play the two or the three. He's going to be a really good player. He's a two way player. Plays great offense, great defense. Um, you would have a chance, a, a legitimate chance, at getting both of those guys. So if you added, say, both of those guys to a team with, uh, you know, a young player in Hernan Gomez, who I I think has a pretty high ceiling, you would draft your point guard this year with the number seven pick, probably either Neil Kina or Dennis Smith Jr., depending on how it shakes out. Um, and then here's the kicker. I think it would be easier to move Mello if you, if you made that trade. And I could, see, I could see them moving him to the Lakers for uh, – uh, not Nance, um, Julius Randle, because he's, he's coming up uh, about to be a free agent next year. Granted, he's a restricted free agent but a free agent nonetheless, the Lakers are going to have to pay him, which will limit their ability to go out and get two superstars to, to 
you know, or at least get a superstar in order to bring in Paul George, right? So you get him, and then you take, I, I would probably say, Luau Dang. Um, take, I mean, that's not a good contract, but what you would be getting is a very solid power forward, and you'd be getting some return for Carmelo Anthony. Um, so then, you know, you would potentially have your lineup in place for years and years and years down the road if if you make those moves. And I think they're very legitimate um, possibilities, especially I think Melo would be a lot more willing to go to L.A. now that Magic Johnson's running everything, and I think L.A. would like to have him too. So, what, I mean, I'm gonna did, be, I, did I sell you at all on that, guys? I'm going to be completely honest with you. There's one player Phil um, has a deep love for uh, that he's stated numerous times that um, he actually wants. Um, and that's, what's his name from the Celtics? Uh, can't remember his Jay name. Crowder. Uh, Crowder. Jay Crowder. Yeah, um, that's I one. like Crowder. Two, two uh, Magic Johnson just said in, a, in, a, uh, in an interview uh, that everybody um, is pretty much, uh, you know, can except go except Ingram. for uh, – except Ingram, right. So that – I mean, it's not necessarily that you didn't sell me on it, but I don't know if you've ever been to New York and, and uh, the Garden. There is no way, and I'm going to say this, there's no way Dolan would ever let Melo walk and Przingis walk. Because then you will now be going on a, either year three or year four of still giving you nothing but mediocrity. And at that no, point, mediocrity, that's a that it's worse than that, man. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely worse than that. So what I do see possibly happening is um, Boston looking for um, either a five or um, a better four for, um, you know, out in free agency, I see them making the trade of uh, Rozier and Crowder um, for Mello. I see Mello in the... Ooh, no. They can't, see, but they can't do that because that would completely annihilate all of the cap room that they have, and they wouldn't have any chance of getting Hayward. They have to take somebody who's on a rookie I, deal see, well, or at least a, a very cheap deal. Move. If they don't get Hayward, that's not a bad idea. But what I'm going to say is I see Hayward going. Um, I see Memphis trying to make uh, – between Memphis and, and the Clippers trying to, to make a strong push for Hayward. I know Boston said they want him, but Hayward to me does not make that team any better than they already are. He just doesn't. I he's, he's not gonna, He's not um, going to get you an extra game. He's not going to get you an extra game like, like Butler or Paul George could. Yeah, but you can get him without giving anything up. That's my point. And not to mention, like, I do think you're right. I do think they have to get a big, like, and that's why I, I think Ainge should see what, what it would cost him to, to get Porzingis um, because he's, he's it'll a young cost big. Him a lot more than, it'll cost him a lot more than what you, you were saying. Well, Phil's going to want, I don't know about want that, more man. of that core. Nick, what is Phil's you, definitely going to want more of that core. What was your trade again? Okay, so basically it would be okay. You guys don't have any point guards on on your uh, roster as of next year. You don't have anybody signed up. So you get Terry sure, Rozier. Sure, sure. Okay. So you get Terry Rozier, and you get for second string. You get uh, Demetrius Jackson for third string, and then you get um, you draft a point guard with number seven. 
Then you get the Brooklyn number one pick next year, and you get Memphis's first round pick in 2019. You're you're extremely upping the odds that you would get the number one overall pick if you own your own pick, and you're gonna you're gonna, not going to play very well, and you own Brooklyn's pick, who we also know is not going to play very well. <laughs> like you would. You would, like I said, you would have like a 45% chance of getting the number one overall pick. And even if you got the number two pick, even if, say, you got like two and five, that's still terrific in next year's draft because of how good Luka Doncic is, and he's the projected number two guy in the draft. My, my biggest problem with that proposal is the, all the question marks about next year and who's this and how good these guys might be. I, there's no 100% certainty that Brooklyn's going to be that fucking t- – I mean, they're going to be bad, but are they going to be as bad as they were this year? And yeah. it's like – I just I, it's just so hard to just have to go through another – and I'm looking at it as a fan, obviously, but to sit through right. another year, you're going to give up my – technically my best player if Melo's gone, my best player for maybe. Well, and, and <laughs> I would trade Melo. Oh no, I'm trading Melo at some point. It's not, you know, it's going to happen. Whether well, see, but what I'm saying is, is by doing that, you would, I think, you would incentivize Melo to be more open-minded to a trade. If you trade Porzingis. Yeah, because I mean, why is Melo going to want to stay if he doesn't even have Porzingis? Porzingis. If you trade Porzingis for future assets that you can use to build, then that gives Melo every incentive to want out, like to not want to be there. So right. then, then I think he would be more more open to waiving his no trade clause. I get what you're saying. I'm a, I just, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot for me to, to take in. I'm not sure Phil would do that. I'm not saying he would be against it, but also, also I'm not sure he would do it. Um, I would have to like look into it because <laughs> I, I really I would have to look at the next year's draft, and I don't know. I'm not sure how much of a forward thinker Phil is in, in that regard, but um. Yeah, well, you know, well, I was just going to, yeah, and I feel where you're coming from, and and I'm just saying, though, like, if I'm Danny Ainge, I at least try, you know, because of what's going on with Porzingis, because all of the the nonsense that's been happening with Phil, like, you know, and I'm, shit, I might even be willing to give him Fultz and keep next year's Brooklyn pick and say, we'll give you Fultz and we'll give you, um, you know, uh, Rozier. We'll give you Fultz. We'll give you Rozier. You can take whoever you want at number seven uh, to pair with Fultz, and we'll give. We'll still give you the eh, may, maybe give you our 2019 pick, and we'll keep Memphis as something like that. Right. I get what you're saying. That that. But I mean, sounds a little better. <laughs> but still. Well, it, still it, at least it's more it's more certainty at least because um, you know right. you're getting the number that's one pick. At. That's exactly where I'm yeah. at with that. But see, my my point is this, like, and and to this to this to what Juwan said, I don't necessarily think they have to trade Fultz or the number one no. pick, but they have to start trading assets to get better. So if you can get if you can sign um, Hayward through free agency, that means you now right. can move Jake Crowder. Because you, you can. and he's a very attractive player on a very good deal. Um, or if you want to keep Crowder, you can trade Jalen Brown. Um, but you, I think it's time for them to cash in in some form or fashion, and get 
put together a team, and if you can get Hayward and a player, just we'll say a player like Porzingis, to come in who would fit, fill that need at the four that they're going to have. Like, right. because, and, and also, like, Amir Johnson is gone. And Kelly Olenek is gone, and if they if they give um, if they give a max offer to Gordon Hayward, they can't bring either one of those players back because of the cap holes that it would cost them mm-hmm. to keep them. So they would have to relinquish those players, and they couldn't bring like they, that would mean they would relinquish the bird rights, and they couldn't bring them back. So they have to right. do, if they're going to go out and get Gordon Hayward, they got to figure out the situation at the four. Yeah, and that's a big if. I mean, that's a big thing for them is the big man position. They need another four or five out there. That's going to do something, yeah. you know. Yeah, somebody who could who could you know like the reason I the reason I'm thinking Porzingis is because of just how versatile he is, and I think he helps. I think he matches well with Al Horford because Horford's not really a center, but he's not really a power forward either. Like he's not quick enough to be a power forward. Power. Yeah, he's not quick enough to be a four, but he's not like enough of a paint protector to be a five. And so if you could get somebody who's seven foot three and as, as you know, agile and athletic as Przingis is, that would be the perfect fit. So even, like, even if y'all think that like the deals, the two deals that I'm throwing out there aren't enough. Like if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm like, okay, Phil, like I gave you these two deals. What's it going to take? Like, what's it going to take for me to get this guy? Cause this is the guy that I need. If I can pair up him with Horford and bring in Gordon Hayward, that's a team that can compete with LeBron James. I don't know. I don't know, because the only reason you're not selling me on this is because I, I keep thinking people are making more of Gordon Hayward than he actually uh, than he actually is, but that's just me. Well, I, I don't necessarily think that Gordon Hayward is, is like a, a – super great player, but the thing that he would offer you is scoring. And right now they only have really one true scorer in Isaiah Thomas, and they're not even sold. I don't think they even know themselves whether they're going to keep him or not. So if you could get if you could get Hayward and Porzingis, that gives you two people who can score the ball, and then you're in a much better negotiating position uh, with Isaiah Thomas because if he walks it's not the end of the world because you got two other guys who can score the basketball. Right. Well, that's so, what I mean, I'm it saying. just, it I just mean, depends. Even if go Isaiah ahead, does go and you trade your pick and you have Paul George and he, he, you know, he signs to the team, you're even good there. Isaiah can still walk. You're even good there. Um, you know, and what I was saying is if you can't, you know, like let's say you get Paul George, right? And let's say Isaiah is kind of, you know, he's not really playing along well and he still wants to be traded or whatever. I said from the beginning, I really think Boston, um, if Isaiah wanted to go and you traded him, I always thought Boston should make a play for uh, for Derrick Rose. Make a play for Rose. Mm, A little bit he was – I think Rose, he's washed up, man. I I disagree with that. He was averaging almost, almost 14 to 15 points a game. And honestly, that was on a horrible team. Knicks played horrible after Christmas. That was just a bad team he was playing he was playing yeah, good but, on. Yeah, but Rose yeah. can't shoot, man. Which you wouldn't need him to. That's what Paul George's job would be. 
Yeah, but I, th- I still think, Brown. I mean, I get what you're saying. He's if you've got Avery Bradley and you got Paul George, you got shooters, so you don't necessarily need your point guard to be one. But, I, dude, right. I, I would rather start Marcus Smart than Derrick Rose. Mark Smart I don't know about that. I mean, because I dude. watched Derrick Rose every game as a Nick last year, and he was doing really good things for that team. Like, he was keeping Knicks in games. He was coming back for the Knicks. The Knicks just weren't good. They, they they either stopped playing for the coach or they just all really hated Phil. Derrick Rose on a team where the organization is good, it's run, you know, not run by an idiot. Derrick Rose could do good things. I'm not saying he's a game changer anymore. That's why I said Paul George. And if they go out there and they can get a better uh, a better five, so Horford can play his four position, that team that team could 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 really uh you know really make um some noise in the playoffs. I don't think there goes the choice though. I might as well stay with my in my my opinion. I might as well just stay with Marcus Smart and go out and get Derrick Rose. Yeah, see that's what I'm saying too. And, and Terry Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier is their third string man right now, but he's a second stringer on any team that doesn't have that much point guard depth. Yeah, he's pretty good, fucker. Yeah. Like, he, I, I mean, I think he's going to be a solid backup point guard uh, in this league for a long time. He'll never be a, yeah. a number one guy. But right. he can come out and give you 20 minutes, 25 minutes a game easy. He could be a six man somewhere probably. Yeah. But, I mean, could you imagine him on, like, Sacramento? Fuck, he'd probably be the starter. <laughs> like, he, would, he, he would be the starter. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I, I I yeah I wouldn't do I wouldn't go after Rose I just I I mean I I really do think that they got to like like I think we all agree they got to go after a four or a five um, but really I mean I think I think they need a guy who has a, a, at least a decent um, offensive game can spread the floor but can also uh, protect the paint because Horford. He he can't do that. He's not a great rebounder. He's uh, not a, even a good shot blocker. Um, so, you know, I, I I don't necessarily think he has to play the four. But if you whoever you get to play the four, you need him to to kind of hide Horford's weaknesses, if you will. Right. I get what you so, I mean, shit. Horford barely gave him anything offensively. No, he he had a pretty good season offensively. No, no, no. I, I mean, think, in that series, in that last series. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, nobody fucking did, man. I mean, the only person who was really no, balling Bradley, was Marcus Smart and, and and no, Bradley played and, and Avery Bradley. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. both of them had pretty, <laughs> pretty good efforts. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I it'll be interesting, man, because I think I, I definitely uh, am kind of on board with Joel and saying like. They just have so many options. There's not one thing that I would be married to. Um, but, you know, I think if if you want if – if the right deal comes along and you can cash in on those assets, you've got to do it. Um, but I don't think Paul George is the right deal because you can't, you can't get Paul George – the only thing you can get out of Paul George is a verbal uh, agreement that he would sign on. You, you can't – it's not like they can write it up um, – and then and then do it. You know what I mean. So I don't know. I don't think I. I don't think I. See, I'd almost rather have Jimmy Butler, just because you he's signed on for longer. But then again, like 
I mean, I don't think anybody's going to make the argument that Jimmy Butler would fit the team better than Paul George because Paul George is a better scorer. So I get that, but it's tough, man. And, I, and you know, I, I just struggle. Like, I don't know if I would give up the number one pick for either one of those non-guarantees, especially when they can go out and get, you know, I mean, they have roughly, I think, $35 million in cap space. So, you know. I don't know. I just, me personally, I'm not giving Gordon Hayward the max. That's just me. It's only $30 million to pay Gordon Hayward the max, though. You know, I mean, that's not that much money in today's NBA. I don't know. I watched his series against the Clippers, and I didn't leave that series going. That's, that's you know, I'd even want to give him that. Like, I'd trade for Gordon Hayward, definitely. I'm not I'm not paying him. <laughs> I'm not paying him uh, four or five years. I'm not doing that. Well, the most oh, no. they could offer him is four years, but – I mean, I get, I get your point there. What's that, Joel? I said he's a good player. He's exactly a very good player. Only thing that he probably lacks compared to, say, Paul George or uh, a Jimmy Butler is on the defensive end. He's just not as good, you know. But aside from that, he's he's got everything. I don't yeah, know. I, I, as, I think my... He's not as athletic defensively as those guys are. Yeah, my biggest sort of. rip on him is my biggest rip on him isn't even his defense. I mean, because Paul George and Jimmy Butler both do get lazy on defense, so it's not like they're yeah. like Draymond or Clay. Um, think, but my biggest think, my biggest rip with Gordon Hayward is he's not aggressive offensively. He can score, but he's not aggressive offensively, and that was my biggest thing. Um, you know, with him uh, in the playoffs, he wasn't aggressive enough. And I just don't – like, some people just don't have it in them. It's not necessarily a knock. Um, the only reason why I'm saying – only reason why I'm saying I wouldn't go out and get Hayward in free agency is if I could get Jimmy Butler or Paul George, those are my first two options. I'm not saying it like Gordon Hayward is garbage. He's just not my first option if I had to go out there and get somebody at that small forward position. See, but but here's my thing. I, I I totally understand where you're coming from. Like, if you were to say, in a in a vacuum, like rank these three players. Obviously, Gordon Hayward's going to come in third on that list of three guys. But, but what I'm saying is, do you is it is it worth? What what's better, getting Gordon Hayward uh, and not giving anything up, or having to give up a first, uh, you know, a, maybe the number one overall pick? to get Paul George or Jimmy Butler. You see what I mean? I do. Well, let, let me say this then. Let me say this then. Let's say you don't trade anything. You go with Gordon Hayward, right? Yeah. So then on paper, the team would be – because we're not even getting into what they could possibly do in the free agency. We're going off what the team looks like right now. Sure. So you still have Isaiah, and you add mm-hmm. on now this point guard, right? So you add on the point guard, you add on Gordon Hayward. Is that team better constructed than if you had to have traded um, a few pieces and then add Paul George to Isaiah Thomas? Because my thing is, I see what you're saying. And financially, what you're saying, that's like, of course you go with that. Of course. I'm sure any GM would definitely side with you. I'm just siding with, when you're constructing a team in the East, you're not constructing it for like, all right, we just want to go out there and be competitive. No, that's what the West does. The East is like, we got to find a way to stop LeBron James. 
Right. But what I'm saying is I feel as though you have a better chance, um, even if you have to give away a couple pieces, as long as it's not Avery, as long as it's not Smart, as long as it's not um, uh, Brown. You you give them up, and you go get a Paul George. You see what else you can do in free agency. Even if Paul George doesn't stay past then, my biggest thing is you have the potential of another number one pick the year after. So it's not even like you're hurting that much. You can get Paul George on for a year or two. Say it again, Joel. I said, but then you have, let's say if you get, but that's, that's you just depending on the possibility of a number one next year. When you could still have this year's number one, next year's number one, Gordon Hayward, any other fucking free agent they want next year, you know, shit like that. I get what you're saying, and you make a lot of sense. But I'm saying, if you put, like, so you're saying Paul George is better than Gordon Hayward and Markel Fultz together. That's what you're saying. Because we don't know what that kid's gonna be. We don't know what you he's don't. gonna be. We know what he but was. We know what he was in college. So you're betting on his upside the same as you're betting on the idea of Paul George signing longer than the the one year he'd be there for. So all right. I'm saying is, if you look at it, if this kid doesn't grow up to be what they're hoping he's going to be, fundamentally that seems the exact same as it, as it was last year. You're just adding on Gordon Hayward. And what I'm saying is Gordon Hayward isn't enough to, you know what I'm saying, to to necessarily, and I'm not saying Paul George or Jimmy Butler is either, but you get a better chance with those players than I think you would with the combination of that point guard and Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, Exactly. Like, I I can totally see where you're coming from. Um, I just, man, it's just, it's a risky move. And, I mean, I think if Danny Ainge is anything, he doesn't like to make risky moves. You know, he likes to make he likes to make moves that he's pretty confident are, are, are going to, to, um, to, you know, benefit the team, not just in the short term, but in the long term. And you just don't know. I mean, if, I mean, fuck, if you traded, if you traded Fultz and just to say you, you, it only took Fultz. To get to get Paul George, and then Paul George walked. That's I mean that's risky. But hey, we got we got to move on. We got we got a lot to cover and 45 minutes left. So um, let's do it. Let's just quick. Let's yeah. Let's just quickly. Uh, we're gonna run down uh, the rest of the uh, top 10 picks in the draft. Uh, Lakers. Um, I, are we all in agreement that the Lakers would be fucking stupid to trade that pick? Yeah. Yeah. Do I? Wait, yeah. No. Okay. No. Yeah. I mean, no. I yeah. I just don't. I don't. I, I've seen. I've seen a lot of people trying to say that they should try to trade it for Paul George, and I just think that's stupid. Paul George. Um, yeah. I, I think you wait and you get Paul George in free agency. You know. I it depends. It's risky. It's risky because if you're the Lakers, you're you're putting yourself in the same situation the Knicks almost found themselves in in regards to Melo. Because what you risk is. How do you know right. that there isn't something else more attractive out there to Paul George, like Clippers, um, that he could possibly go to and be more successful now with rather than having to rebuild with kids? So all I'm saying yeah. is if you can get them, if you can get them and keep them, get them and keep them. Don't risk it. Well, yeah, I mean, but I also I also think this, like, if what happens if they trade for him and then they still have a terrible fucking year and then he's going into free agency 
And then, you know, he's sitting there thinking, well, I, I wanted to come to play for the Lakers, but now I've been here a year and we sucked. Like, maybe I don't, maybe I'm just going to leave now. You know, so that, I mean, that's the thing with Paul George. Like, if you if you trade for him, you have to, you know, be cognizant that he only has a year left on his deal. Right. So, uh, I I think they take Lonzo Ball and see what comes of it. Um, what do you guys What do you guys think? I'm with Joel. you. Yeah, I'm with you. you. I agree. I th- yeah, I think Lonzo Ball is the pick for the Lakers. Uh, for both Lonzo Ball, Lavar Ball, and the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, for all parties. Um, Jawan, yeah. you see it, see it that way? Do you think that's the smartest move? Is is Ball a point guard? What is his actual position? Small forward, right? Yeah. No, no, it's, it's no, point, he's guard. A point guard. Small forward. Yeah. He's a point no, guard. Point guard. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to really look at it. You got to look at it in a vacuum. I mean, Pretty D'Angelo cool. Russell plays really good basketball, so you got to look yeah, at but it. Yeah, see, I think you slide him like, to the two. Like they play <laughs> like near the. See, I disagree. Like the last I disagree. 20. Jordan Clarkson is who I'd slide to the two. I yeah, think but just, I would want to. I would just see. I would keep him as your backup to come in and play either the one or the two. Because I, I think Russell is better. Yeah, like, he's skill-wise, he's better than Clarkson. Um, he's got a higher ceiling than Clarkson. So I think if you draft Bull, then you can start Russell at the two, which they did last year for, like, the last 20 games. They played Russell at the two and Clarkson at the one. And then you can bring in Clarkson to back up either one of those guys because of his versatility. I just feel like that's overkill, having two – uh, two guys like that. I, I think one has to go. That that that's the I, only yeah, thing that's I, holding me up. I think Russell's gonna get traded. That's how if, if Ball gets drafted, I think Russell's gone. Yeah. It just matters. Yeah. That was that was the only question I had. One of them has to go. They they can't both see stay. one of them has to go. Yeah, I, I think they could make it work. I mean they would it would it would be smart if they don't think they can make it work to go ahead and trade him before the season starts because if if the other GMs around the league can clearly see it's not working, that means the the asking price is going to be, you know, the the Lakers aren't going to get as good of a deal had they just traded him at the beginning of the season. Um, but but nevertheless, like I think you got to I I would keep him, man. I, he's still got two years left on his rookie contract, um, which means you don't have to worry about what whether you're going to sign him or not next year. Um, and I, I think he could be, I mean, he's, he's six, five, he's got enough length to where he can play the two. Um, and, and likewise, so is, um, so is, uh, uh, Clarkson, he's the same height, six, five. So they can both like, you can position them however you want to do it to where, you know, they can both play the two a little bit and both play the one or maybe have whoever's coming off the bench, play the one, um, you know, and, and go ahead and just throw Lonzo Ball in there and, and, you know, see what happens. But the other thing is, like, do you know who Lakers' like, next option at shooting guard is? It's that uh, Nwaba kid or however you pronounce his name. Like, so they don't, they don't have a lot of depth at the two-guard position either. So if they traded Russell, I think they would have to trade him for a two-guard unless you're going to play Ingram at two. But I, I just don't, like, I don't no. think that's the right fit for him. They'll, they'll, they'll probably end up either picking one up or they give one. I don't think they give him up without anything. So. Yeah, absolutely. And but the other thing too is with free agency, they do have about twenty million dollars in cap space. But if you pick up somebody in free agency, are you going to have the money to pay Paul George next year 
or, you know, whoever, you know, but Paul George is like obviously the presumable favorite for them to target. So they'll make room. Or maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe uh, Indiana gets desperate enough and they're willing to give them, you know, Paul George for, say, let's say, um, uh, um, Russell and um, uh, their uh, not Nance, but their other uh, power forward, Randall. Like if you could get right. if you get Paul George for Russell and Randall, like yeah, I'd make that deal. I'd go ahead and get Paul George, and I'd say, sorry, Ingram, you're playing the two, but but like <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with that. So it'll be interesting. We'll we'll see what happens there. Um, okay, so third pick, uh, Philadelphia. There's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of rumors going on right now that Philadelphia like wants to target a a point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would be crazy to pass on Josh Jackson. Um, I, I mean, I just think he's obviously the third best prospect in this draft. I'm not I'm not super sold on De'Aaron Fox. Um, he oh. doesn't have a jump oh. shot. He shot under 30% from three last year at, at um, Kentucky. Um, you know, he's 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 got a lot of potential as far as being, you know, a, a Derrick Rose-type player because um, he's, you know, he's he's probably the fastest person in the draft, and he can get to the bucket and he can finish. But nevertheless, like, he's about five years too late on that being the type of point guard that you really want on your team. You know what I mean? Like not in in today's NBA, you want a, a point guard who can shoot is more important than a point guard who can drive to the basket. Um, so I, I think I I think they'll end up taking Josh Jackson. Um, do Do you think they should take Jackson, or do you think they should maybe look at uh, you know, maybe Fox or even Dennis Smith? Some people have them taking Dennis Smith. Uh, let's start with uh, you, Juwan. Um, the biggest thing that confused me is um. As far as Philly wanting a point guard, I think you kind of gauge what the free agency market kind of looks like, and I mainly go with that because um, when you look at Ben Simmons, a healthy Ben Simmons, he's mm-hmm. kind of like your point forward. Right. Um, he can kind of facilitate the ball. He's big. Um, you know, he's he can definitely pass the ball. He definitely has great court vision. That's kind of who you want running your your point, quite like how Milwaukee has with uh, Giannis. So, I mean, them wanting a point guard, especially to draft it that high, they need other uh, positions filled. You're good with Embiid. You're good with Simmons. Everything else is what kind of needs work. Wait, that other rookie kid that they got. So you're good with those two. Yeah, yeah. Good with those. But see, I don't. I don't know if they're completely sold on where to play Sarich. Um, because there's a lot of talk that they want to, they think Simmons would be more effective defensively at the four, and Saric is not really versatile enough to play the three. So do you do you play Simmons at three, and then play Saric at four, or do you maybe try to work Saric in as a as a you know a versatile um, six man yeah. type player? Um, but I think I- I- any way you cut it, you take Josh Jackson because he can play the two or the three, no matter which way you go. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, Joel, what are your thoughts? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, um, I like Josh Jackson, but I also really like Darren Fox probably a lot more than you two. (laughs) 
I think that's a, I think that's a great choice for them. Either one, if they go with Josh Jackson, cool. If they go with De'Aaron Fox. I, I actually like them taking De'Aaron Fox more so. But the, I, the one thing that that puts them over for me, for jo, like for Josh Jackson, I mean, is um, is he's a good he's he's a good defender. You know, he's he's an aggressive yeah. athlete. And he's a great athlete. And if he could be that big two way, you know, player for you, either at the two or the three, because that's basically what he'll be playing as a wing. It's not yeah. a bad choice. You, you can't go wrong with either Josh Jackson or De'Aaron Fox. I love De'Aaron. He's gonna be really good. I hope at least because I see something there. Uh, probably more so than others. I don't know. I, I, I think that jump shot can be taught. Look, John Walton had much of a jump shot. That that changed around. So it can be taught yeah. in time, you know. And he's a fucking fast dude, bro. <laughs> yeah. He can put it he on. He is really fast. Earth. I think he's actually – I think, yeah, I think he's going to have to uh, to get, gain some weight too, though. He needs more muscle because yeah. it's one I mean, thing to be to be manhandling college kids. You ain't gonna be doing that to NBA players if you're as, as skinny as he is. He needs he needs to put on about twenty pounds in muscle. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that. So, so I mean, I think I think I I kind of agree with you in the sense that like you if he if he can get a jump shot and he can put on that that extra weight, um, you know, he he could work out. And I think Philly. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people are, have been waiting a long time and they really want them to start winning. But they, I mean, let's be honest, like, they have the luxury. They've, their fan base has bought in. They have the luxury um, of, of taking a player that they maybe takes a little longer to develop if they think long-term he's their guy. So, but I just, man, I, I just think passing on Josh Jackson would be a, Huge, huge mistake. And I think, too, like, the other reason is what's more commonplace in today's NBA? Like, uh, to go out and get a point guard or to get a wing? Like, it's there's there's only a, a few really good wings in the league. There's a lot of really good point guards. So Yeah, the point guard league, though. You need a great point guard first. You do. I, but I also, I'm just saying, I think that they're more readily available too. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I know what you mean. And that, like in that point so. forward thing, great too. Like guys like Antetokounmpo and LeBron are good examples of that. But I still think you need a point guard there. I think it's still well. I mean, out. yeah, you definitely and you and like McConnell has has played really well this season. But I mean, he's played about as well as he will play. He's not going to get right. any better. I mean, I he's, he's, he's not a particularly really great shooter. Um, he, but he's smart. He knows how to handle the ball, and he can, you know, he can help you out for another season or two, um, which right. I think he signed on for two more seasons. But he's not a long-term uh, process. Yeah, exactly. So I, I do agree with you in that sense. I just, again, I just, man, I, I just think it would be so difficult to pass on, on Josh Jackson, especially, too, considering – you know, I know you need a point guard, and they don't ha- really have a point guard other than McConnell, and he's not great. But if when you look at their choices or their players at the three, you got Robert Covington. He's n- nothing to marvel at, and he's on the last year yeah. of his contract. And then you got Justin right. Anderson, who's not very good either. So, yeah. you know, they they need to fill those holes. Now, if you want to play Simmons at the three defensively, that you know that could work. But I mean. The guy's seven feet tall. You know, I think you want to play him at the four defensively, honestly. And I'm not 
I mean, I'm not sure you want you want him guarding people on the wing any more than he has to because he's already had the injury. Right, exactly. So, but that'll be an interesting pick. It'll be it'll be crazy to see. Um, so uh, next up, we got the uh, Phoenix Suns taking uh, you know the number four slot. I think they go Jason Tatum. Um, he's he's an a athletic three. He can score the ball. He's a defensive liability. Um, but if you could pair up uh, Tatum and um, uh, Booker together, like you've got two guys on the wing who can score the basketball, and you know I think I think they already have enough depth at point guard. I know a lot of people are saying that they might if Fox is available there, they might go ahead and take Fox. And they have a history of it, so I could see it happening. What's up? I said the Kentucky guys, they like that shit. Yeah, and they like their guards. I mean, remember, they? I mean, when they had, like, uh, Drogic, they had, like, Drogic and Isaiah Thomas and uh, and I think Bledsoe, like, all at the same time. And, like, they did. It was fucking started. And Brandon Knight yeah. at one point. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I think he... Uh, yeah, I think he came in after Thomas, I believe, or maybe right around yeah. the same time, maybe a little before or something. Um, but yeah, you know they got they got a lot they got a lot of point guards. So um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do. But not I think you got to go with what's up. I said it's not a need, is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and furthermore, you know, you traded away PJ Tucker, so you do have a need at the small forward position. Um, now Absolutely. they got that uh, that uh, T.J. Warren, I think is his name, and he's all right. He he played really well early last season, and then he got like I think he had a concussion, and then he was out for like three weeks or four weeks or something. And then when he came back, he just wasn't playing as well. Um, but right. he's also on the tail end of he's on his last year, so I think you take Tatum. I think he makes the most logical sense as far as position, and if he's not. He's he's one of the six best prospects in the draft, so I don't think you're reaching down too far to grab him. So, totally, man. Um, I, I think yeah. I, I go with Tatum. Word, uh, Jawan, would you take Tatum? You were saying his position is a three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they need that. Uh, with Devin Booker playing as well as he is, you have a point guard. Um, you somewhat have a four. Um, the five they they kind of got uh, to a degree. You definitely need to get yourself a small forward. That's the biggest thing they need checked off. Yeah, yeah, that's a, absolutely. Need. Yeah, because I I think Marquise Chris is going to be really good. I mean, I I he he definitely Surprising shows flashes. And and don't forget they got Dragon Bender. Like I mean, he didn't do shit last year, but. You know, a player like him, he could end up being a bust, but you you still have to let that play out. So I definitely think they're covered, you know, as far as those, those um, that four position. And I think you might let Alex Lynn walk um, just because Tyson Chandler, when he's playing well, he's he's a solid piece. And Marquise Chris is versatile enough to play the five if you need him to. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on. We got Sacramento at five. Um, I think ob- Sacramento obviously needs a point guard. 
Um, and they need a small forward. Those are like their their two biggest holes. They got like seven shooting guards. <laughs> I'm I'm exaggerating, but they do have like I think they have like four or five. Um, so I think if if De'Aaron Fox is available, he's the obvious choice. I think if somebody ends up taking De'Aaron Fox between three or four, and you have Jason Tatum slide down, I think you take Tatum and just kind of cross your fingers that there's still a point guard available at ten. Um, I don't think there will be, but I don't think you can pass up on Tatum when you need a small forward, and you can still go out and re-sign Darren Collison. Um, so, um, but I, I, I think you either go with Tatum or you go with Fox, whichever player is available. Um, Joel, what do you think? Yeah, 100%. You either take Darren Fox if he lasts that long, or you take Jason Tatum if he lasts that long. You, you're lucky with either one, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the that's kind of the luxurious position they have is that there are, in my opinion, there are five clear top five prospects. And so it's almost like they're not – now, I, the same can't be said with their number 10 pick. I could definitely see them screwing that one up. But, you know, the Kings have a history of making terrible selections in the draft. So I think, uh, I think yeah, they'll just take whichever one of those – Top five guys is still left, and they'll be cool with it. Um, yeah, so, uh, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be that would be uh, interesting if they if they reach down to get Dennis Smith. I I have him. I, his injury concerns worry me a little bit, um, but we'll we'll get to him. Um, number six. See, this is number six is really interesting to me because obviously Orlando. Like, they, they don't have a premier point guard, but I think Alfred Payton had a pretty damn good year last year. Um, and I think kind of more of my concern, if I'm the Magic, is I, I, I can't even name you their backup forwards. They, I mean, they have Terrence Ross at the three, Aaron Gordon at the four, and then a bunch of, you know, nobodies backing them up. Hazonia. I think if you – What happened to Hazonia? I think you – yeah, that guy. That guy's a total boss, man. Yeah, um, but at least as far as far as now, I mean, he's pretty much a bust. But you know, I mean, the Peyton's not a bad point guard. They got uh, Augustine to back him up. Um, you, you've got you know, uh, pretty decent shooting guard in Fournier. I think if you, I think you take Jonathan Isaac. And you have because he's versatile, he can play the three or the four. Then you can work him in to back up both Terrence Ross and Aaron Gordon, and just kind of see see you know what happens with that. Um, do you uh, do you agree with me, Joel, or do you think maybe they should go after a point guard? No, I go I go with Isaac. They need shooting. They need that shooting. They need to improve that that part of it. Because, uh, I mean, now that Terrence Ross is there, it helps him, I guess, a little bit with the two and the three spot because he's a good wing. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac has a, a Rashad Lewis-esque type of uh, game to him. Yeah. So, he's, he's, he's that's kind of what NBA is doing, 3-4. That's a, that's a great position for him to be in, and Orlando could definitely use that, especially at their four spot going forward or even at their three spot if, they, they, if Aaron Gordon plays the ability. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. I think when they when they traded Ibaka, you know, they finished out the season with Aaron Gordon playing the four, and I think he fits better at the four um, in today's NBA. I just think that's that's more of the 
kind of position for him. He's a little undersized for it. I think he's like six eight. Um, but yeah. you know, I mean, Paul Millsap is six eight, and he plays the four. You know, so um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys out there who. Um, you know, aren't maybe your ideal six ten, six eleven, but they can still play it. And I agree. And I think Isaac also brings defense. And they need they need defense. They they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league last year. And you know, if you can bring in a guy who can you know help protect the paint, and I mean, could you imagine their backup backup lineup with him playing the four and then Biombo playing the center? Like they no, I mean, right. they should. They should, as long as Vogel can get the most out of those guys, they should be good defensively if they take him. So, I agree. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, Jawan, do you have anything to add on that? You think you like Isaac, or do you think maybe they need uh, to shake things up and get a point guard? Um, Sacramento, right? They have they no have, Orlando. Well, Orlando. Yeah. No, what's wrong with um? I like Peyton. I do too. I know. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who aren't sold on him, but I think he made. I think I don't. I'm not. I'm not married to the guy by any any stretch of the imagination. I think he's he's uh, he's a fifty fifty as to whether he can continue getting better and good enough to be a starting point guard in the league. Um, but you right. still have another year on his contract, and I think Isaac it just fits more of what they need. So that's why I would I would take Isaac. Yeah, no, I, so, I, I I get what you're saying. I I kind of feel like he still has some upside in him, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think uh, and like I said, I mean they also have have Augustine to back up, um, to back up Alfred Payton. So you you mean you at least have two reasonably good point guards. So I don't think you waste a pick on a point guard. So I think we're all on board on board with that one. Um, all right, so number seven, uh, we got the Timberwolves. I think it's interesting because I think if if the Magic pass on Jonathan Isaac, I think the Timberwolves definitely take him. Um, but if they do go with Isaac, I think I think it's crazy. Um, but I I honestly think with Thibodeau coaching, I I think they go ahead and draft Frank Nilakina because Frank Nilakina is the best defender left in the draft. He's, I mean, he's a lockdown defender from from everything that I've seen and everything that's being reported, and he's big enough to where he can play the two if you need him to. So, and I think as the NBA progresses, you're going to see more uh, of kind of Phoenix's style of having more like two point guards instead of like a more traditional point guard and shooting guard. Um, and so I think that I could see them going with Nilakina and playing him a little bit at the two and um you know and I, I think uh they would really like his defense. Um and, you know, you may go with Malik Monk, but he's a little undersized. Uh it's not like Chris Dunn is, is super tall to make up for that. I mean I think he's about the same height, about six three. Um so you would have kind of two really kind of smaller guards and he's not really that good of a defender. He's a great shooter but he's not really a great defender. Um, and I think Nilakina's versatility, you know, would could help him go as high as number seven. Um, uh, Joel, um, I know you kind of had your eye on him for your Knicks. Um, you know, what do you think? I think 
if if Minnesota's as high as them as we are, then they might do that. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're looking at Malik Monk, and I think they should go after Malik Monk. Um, his offensive ability alone should be enough for them to either either come in and be a factor. I think right away, like he's a great he's a great possible six man <laughs> in this league. You know, I yeah. think he has that ability. You know, he has like like a, a like ability. a Jamal Crawford almost. Right, like Lou Williams, like that, like yeah. um, you know, he has that kind of that that type of game. Uh, that's kind of where I see him as. He could be a starter, or he could be a bench guy. He could put him in at the point guard on a, like a triangle system, or he could leave him at shooting guard off the ball on like a Cleveland system, where like when you play with a point forward type of guy. Um, yeah, I, he fits in so many different places, and like Minnesota's got set at so many different spots as well. I don't want there to be as much. I, I like his versatility is probably where I, I, I like him at. That's why. Yeah, and I, I get that. Um, I But I don't think, like, I think if you did have a, like, point forward type, like, I think he would have worked perfectly in Philly. But obviously Philly's not going to take him at number three. That's just way too high to take him. Um, because if you if you can put him on defense at the one, like basically do what um, what the the Bucks did with Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon, for all intents and purposes, on offense plays the two, but because Antetokounmpo can, is is six foot eleven, and yeah. he can defend the small forward, you know. So um, I can definitely see him taking it. The biggest reason that I think you might be right, and I've battled with this. This has kind of been the one that I'm I'm the least sure about, is because Zach Levine. It's probably out for the first half of the season. They need somebody to fill that role, and I don't think Milikina is that like at all. And I think no. um, Malik Monk is that like he could fill the role of Zach Levine until he, you know, completely healed from his injury and came back. Um, like is that is, and and honestly, I mean, I think Levine's going into his last year on his contract next year so they're going to have to be faced with the question of do you pay a guy who just tore his ACL um, max money or do right. you say no thank you we're not we're not going to do that so this would give them that flexibility to kind of be able to you know not have to be married to Levine no I agree with you I, they're a team that, need, that needs to start looking at veterans they have enough young yeah. uh, young aspects there you know they need some vets yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we're we're about got about 15 minutes left. So I just want to quickly touch base on you know the last few. Um, as far as the Knicks, I think if if Nilakina is available, they take Nilakina. If he's not, they take Dennis Smith. Um, Joel, or do you kind of see it that way, or do you think if maybe Monk is available, would they would they try to go after Monk? I think Monk could be a possibility for them because he fits the triangle, honestly, pretty damn well uh, if they run the triangle. But if they run the, the the way they were trying to run early in the year last year, I think Nilatina fits perfectly fine in as as one of those uh, defensive uh, point guards who – he's a pass-first guard as far as we can tell right now. His, his offensibility is not there yet, but he's not really asked to do that right now. And right now I think he's in the – He's still playing right now in the French uh, playoffs or some shit. So he's still out there playing. He didn't even come out to work out, and he was supposed to in uh, New York recently. 
Yeah, well, and what and what about Dennis Smith? Do you think there's any chance that they take him if Nilakina is no longer available? Yeah, I, I definitely think they would. Uh, I, I actually saw some highlights of him recently. I, I just I needed to get a feel for him. I have never I have never seen him play, so I was like, let me see what this guy can do. And he he kind of reminds me of like a more athletic version of Kyle Lowry. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's kind of how I yeah see I can see that. But, you know, that's kind of what I saw from him. Uh, not bad. That's not a bad player if we get that. But um, I'm I'm not against it. If that's where we go with it, he's athletic. He can he can do almost everything. But is he a leader? And I think that's where what we need most is a leader, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is one, at least one capacity where he could edge out Frank Nilakina because he's – uh, Nilakina is a kind of really soft-spoken guy. He's a hard worker. He's a lead-by-example worker, but he's not necessarily vocal. Um, not that you want your your rookie coming in and being vocal when you still got Carmelo Anthony on the team. Obviously, he's your leader, and up until he either leaves <laughs> or they trade him. Um, right, but I right. do think you, you you may want to pick a guy who's um, you know basically has the potential to be a vocal leader. Um, so I can see them taking Smith, uh, uh, especially if Nilakina is not available. I just I'm really high on Nilakina. I think I, I actually not that I would take him above Fox because I think Fox's ceiling is a little bit higher. But I I I like him more than I like De'Aaron Fox because of all of the intangibles that he has. Um, and oh, so I, I certainly like him more than Dennis Smith. But the other thing is Dennis Smith, like as short as as little as like four or five months ago was like the number three prospect. Um, he's kind of fallen down, and I think a lot of that has to do with kind of like what you said is he played for NC State, and they weren't a factor, you know? So yeah. um, so I think, I think uh, you know, that coupled with, you know, his, his injury trouble, um, granted his injury was in high school. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think – there was nothing reported that he was actually injured this season, although there has been a few rumors. Um, but, you know, I think uh, I think he's he's definitely – I think you – whether you get Nilakino or you get uh, Smith, I think you're good either way. I wouldn't take Monk um, just because, like I said, he's defensive liability. He's a great shooter, but that's I, – I, I think his upside is, like you were saying, like is a Jamal Crawford. And, uh, dude, I love Jamal Crawford. When he played for the Hawks, that was yeah. awesome. Um, he played for the but you know. <laughs> do what now? He was a Nick, too, we remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He was a Nick, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's 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 uh, been a, an NBA vagabond. He's played for a lot of teams. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think you're good either either way you go there. Uh, Jawan, um, what, you know, what do you think? What, like, who, who do you – who are you highest on for the Knicks? Honestly, as far as them drafting, I'm not even 100% sure. Um, if Phil wasn't in control, I'd have a better answer for you. Um, <laughs> a lot of time, well, yeah, but my main thing is you have no idea what, what's going to be run. Is Hornacek still going to be there? It, it's just it's so confusing because you have no idea. And for me to select who I think would be a better pick solely depends on what's still going to be there. So if there's no mellow, you, you go one way. If there is mellow, you you know, you go the other way. So I, I wish it was more like clear exactly what the Knicks would be going into next season, like majority of the rest of the NBA is. But I, I honestly, I'm not even sure. 
But you know yeah. what? You know one more thing. Um, one one other reason I like Militina is because of the fact that the Knicks played some of their best basketball when they played that Euro lineup. So I think it's like a comfortability factor there with with them, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like I understand. It, like that. that system works. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to to see you know which way they go. Um, all right, so uh, number nine, um, we have uh, who's, who's pre drafted number nine. I think it's pretty. I think Dallas is pretty simple. If uh, if if you if there's a point guard available, you take a point guard, one of those top five point guards. If not, um, I think they probably take Markinen just because. Um, just because I feel like you could groom him under Dirk Nowitzki for a year. Um, I don't think he's going to be as good as Dirk Nowitzki because that's a really, really high mark. Um, but his, his skill set, his skill sets, at least similar to to Dirk's. Um, he doesn't like Dirk's offensive game is obviously way better, but at least Markinen is a shooter, and I think that if you're going to take Markinen, you have to make sure that you have somebody who can kind of cover up his defensive liability. And Nerland's Noel yeah. is that guy. Like Nerland's Noel has very fast uh, feet. He, he moves in and around the lane very well. He's a great paint protector. Um, right. I think with team defense, he is like the perfect kind of person that you want to have on your team if you are going to take a guy like Markinen. Um But I don't think they're sold on their point guard situation. I mean, Yogi Ferrell, is a great story. He had a great, you know, uh, a, a great year for any sort of measure for a player like that who was went undrafted yeah. and then got signed and everything else. Um, but I think they take a point guard if available. If not, I think they go with marketing. Not a bad choices. Those are not bad choices. If Frank Nilatina drops to them, I'd take him in a heartbeat if I'm Dallas, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I would probably go point guard, like you were saying. If Dennis Smith drops to them, go with Dennis Smith. Markinen, not a bad choice. If if it, all the good point guards are gone, I say go Markinen. So I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's pretty uh, clear cut in that in that sort of manner. Um, and then number 10, uh, Sacramento. I mean, you'll obviously take whoever's left out of all of those top 10 players. So uh, because I've had the other teams pass on Malik Monk, I think they take Malik Monk. Now, they don't need Malik Monk. Um, obviously, they have a shit ton of of guards. Um, they need a small forward. But I don't like taking anybody at number 10 at small forward. Jonathan Isaac yep. is not going to fall that far. And I don't think you reach down and you take OG on a newbie or, uh, or Josh uh, – not Josh, uh, Justin Jackson. I don't right. – I don't – I think maybe you take Malik Monk and then wait and see where Jackson and OG um, end up, and then maybe right. you look at some kind of trade where you give them Malik Monk and you get back one of those two guys plus some kind of additional assets. Right. Um, but go ahead. So, well, I'm, no, I agree with you. I was just going to say uh, probably they're probably better off trying to trade it for more assets. Or, I mean, I, I, a lot of the mock boards have them taking Zach Collins, which is not a bad choice. But they already have, um, what's his name? Coley Stein. They already have Scalabizier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think you need – I don't think you take Zach Collins not because, not because he's not a good player. I mean, I have him at number 11, but 
but I think Malik Monk is a better asset. He's a more tradable asset. And I think, I mean, you have Papi Giannis, um, who didn't get much playing time last year until um, until uh, Cousins was traded. But he's a serviceable um, backup center. He seems to be, anyway. Um, and yeah. I see I don't see Collins as a power forward. I see him as a center. Um, no, you're right. So if he... If he was more power forward, I would I would maybe consider taking him because you don't really have a long term backup for Scal right now at the four. Um, but it, being that I kind of see him more as a center, I I would go with Malik Monk. Though I think their their value may be close to the same. Um, but also I think what you could do with Monk, even if you kept him in Sacramento, is you could use him to to basically play the six man kind of role. Back up right. Buddy Heald and, and De'Aaron Fox and, right, right. you know, come in and play the, either the one or the two, depending on what you need. That's not a bad option either for a young team, you know? Yeah. And they still probably, and then you, can, you know, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then maybe you can, you know, try to package Malachi Richardson, um, who's a pretty promising. I mean, he had a pretty good season up until he got hurt last year. Maybe you could try to package him and send him somewhere to get something in return, you know? Yeah, I get you. So, but, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, all right. Uh, usually this is a portion of the show where we would do our charity stripe, uh, but we're, we're running a little short on time, so I just want to kind of skip ahead. And, and we got six minutes, fellas, so let's, Let's talk about these uh, as many of these free agents as we can get in, and the ones we don't, we'll, we'll tack on to next week. Um, I we pretty much already talked about Gordon Hayward. Um, you know whether he go to the Celtics. Um, I think Jawan, you you threw out a couple of different teams other than the Celtics. Um, so uh, so let's let's just move on. Chris Paul, where do y'all think Chris Paul should go? Jawan, where do you where do you think he fits best? Um. Financially, Clippers, um, if he's yeah, trying to yeah. ever win, uh, like win big, it'd be the Spurs. Uh, yeah, totally agree. Uh, Joel, is that the same way you see it? That's exactly the same way I see it. If he wants his money and he wants them to keep the, try to try to keep the, the team together somewhat, you know, may only make maybe a peace move or two and try to keep that team together and stay there. Um, but if not, I mean, I don't know how you turn down the Spurs if, if that's not exactly what you're – that's not what you're into, you know? It's up to you. Yeah, I, I really. Think... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, well, I was yeah. just gonna say, I, I totally, I totally agree. Like, I mean, if you want your money, you know, LA is gonna pay you the most money. They will pay you a five-year max deal. Um, but if you want to win, I've crunched yeah. the numbers, and I think this what the Spurs would actually. I mean, it's 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 not as cut and dry as everyone thinks it is. What the Spurs would actually have to do in order to get Chris Paul. They would have to convince Tal Gasol to opt out of his $16 million player option. They would have to convince mm-hmm. um, – uh, um, well, first of all, Patty, they'd have to let Patty Mills walk. Um, but if you're bringing yeah. in Chris Paul, you know, that would work. Um, they would ha- also have to convince Tony Parker to retire. Um, uh-huh. Now, what I think you would – I'm sorry? Good luck. Well, here's what I here's what I say you do because I mean he had to get carried off the court at the end of the season. So here's what I think you do. I think you say you you got 15 million dollars on your contract. We'll we'll do a buyout. We'll pay you the 15 million dollars. We just want to spread it out over five years. So that offers oh, us cap flexibility. 
Oh. The stretch? Because, I mean, they did they did the same thing for Duncan. Like, when Duncan retired and he still had money left, he still had a contract, they they yeah. still paid him that money. I mean, it was, it was like $5 million, and they spread it out over three or four years. Um, so they're actually – yeah, so they're actually still paying Tim Duncan like a million point eight a year right now. Oh, no. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's one way that they can make that work, and I think I think if you're Parker, you know, I mean he's he's been he's lost a step for the past four seasons, at least yeah. three. Um, so like I mean at least since uh, I guess he, you know they they did beat um, Miami um, in 2014, yeah. but like since since LeBron left Miami, he had Parker hadn't been the same player. Um, but then also you you would have to that's not it though you would have to convince Jonathan Simmons to take his um, his uh, not player option but his qualifying offer so basically his qualifying offer is like 1.6 million dollars I believe um, yeah. if 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 he didn't take that then you're gonna have to pay him now his cap hold won't be too much so you can maybe get away with with that. But then you're also going to have to convince Deadman and David Lee to opt into their contracts. And even after doing all of that, you still can't pay Chris Paul max money. Still, you can't do it. So, like, they could they could pay him roughly $32 million. And if I'm Chris Paul and the Spurs team, their players, are willing to do all of that to bring me in and – you know everything else. I I would say, bro, I will take thirty two million dollars and come play for you guys gladly. Um, but I think you have to sit down with all your players, ask them if they're cool with doing all of that, and then bring Chris Paul in with all of those different players and and basically say, this is what all of our guys are willing to do for you if you sign here. But you, we can't give you the match. You know, sounds complicated. So it looks like he might be staying in L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, it, I mean, like I said, it just depends. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors involved, but it's not just as simple as, oh, well, he should go play in San Antonio, um, you know, because they would win, you know. So, oh, good. but uh, all right, guys. Well, I guess we're, let's go ahead and, and wrap up the show. Uh, we'll we'll get to some more of these different uh, free agents next week. We'll get we'll. Delve a little deeper into um, the NBA draft, um, and you know we'll have uh, a couple finals games under our belt, so we'll be able to uh, to kind of delve talk into about. that and yeah, talk about. I'm I'm hoping it's one-one. When when we come back, I'm hoping man, it's one-one because I want to see a seven-game series. No matter who Me wins, too. I want to see a seven-game series. Um, but yeah, so uh, so anyway, um, Joel, uh, thanks. Uh, for your insight and everything, it was awesome, mm-hmm. man. It was, it was a good first show, wasn't it? Definitely, it was definitely very good. Yeah, uh, Jawan, thank you. I'm Nick. Uh, come back uh, next week, and we will give you all the coverage that you'll need on Full Court Press. Thanks, guys. This was fun.